I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Quit Thoughts on a Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh Shivanoff. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, future Jiu-Jitsu world champion, Angel Ortega. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week, boys. A lot of news, and also, it is UC 295 Fight Week. As always, we are brought to you by two fantastic sponsors of the show, Rogue Energy and Elixir.com. Rogue Energy Keep you fueled up, keep you going throughout your day, whether you're at the gym, at home, or at work. We'll get you to the finish line, and they'll help you get there with code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% off. Elixir, the exact opposite end of the spectrum. Going to get you really high with their Delta 8 products. They got everything you could possibly want. You can get it for codes uh, for 10% off with code SOUNDOFF at checkout. Once again, RogueEnergy.com and Elixir.com, code SOUNDOFF at checkout. Well, Angel, it was you see we're back in Brazil on Saturday, and all in all, I'd say it was a pretty decent card. That main event, though, uh, man, Jelton Almeida, pure dominance, getting the unanimous decision, went 50-44, 50-44, 50-45, the scorecards. You know, ultimately, I saw some people saying that this was a that this was a disappointing performance for Jelton, and I can understand that standpoint. Derek Lewis coming in. Short notice, he did have a lot of moments in there. He was able to reverse, able to land some big shots at various points throughout the fight. Still, though, Jailton not even losing a round. Positional dominance throughout. What did you think about his uh, win on Saturday night? I mean, it was it was dominant. you got to respect it. I think at the end of the day, you would have liked to see him well, finish the fight or maybe go for more ground and pound or find, you know, find positions where you could get elbows or something like that or... And try to find a submission. Uh, it ended up being kind of boring because it, it's, it seemed like there was a lot of, uh, I don't want to say stalling, but just kind of like complacency. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, in, in the end, he ended up getting it. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I mean, those moments with Derek Lewis got up were very exciting because <laughs> you're like, oh, you know, because you never, you, you do. It was possible. Anything could happen at any moment. Uh, but I think there was a lot of, uh, I think Jelton was thinking, okay, I need to, I need to manage, I need to be intelligent here because I think at times I, I believe that he thought if he advanced or tried to change position, there was potential for Derek to get up. And I don't believe he wanted to take those risks to allow Derek to have those opportunities, which is completely understandable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably a good way to put it, man. It was just a lot of complacency. He did not really feel like he had to move position. And, you know, Mark Goddard wasn't stepping him up. He threatened it multiple times. I thought we were going to get our first uh, stand-up from Mount since Kimbo versus Dada. I, I, felt like, day. I felt like we should have got one in the fifth, if I'm being honest with you. I completely agree, yeah. I, I feel like if there was any time where it was warranted, it should have been the fifth, where there was, like, a good two minutes, because I, I think I actually kind of kept track of, like, really nothing. And I think... You know, I think that would have been one of the more appropriate times, personally, in my opinion. Uh, and personally, I, I mean, I, just how I felt. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, nothing ended up coming of it, but so be it. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, it was, it, it, it was what it was. I don't honestly have a whole lot to say about this fight. Um, Jailton, man, I mean, he looked good early, but I think in round four and five, he very much slowed to the point to where, like you said, I think there should have been a stand-up. 
Um, on the mat, he wasn't very active, especially, in, like I said, in those championship rounds. For Derek, you know what, it's going to sound weird. I came out of this being more impressed with Derek Lewis, not because he won or anything, but just because I did not expect a damn near 40-year-old Derek Lewis coming in here on short notice to go the five rounds to be able to just stand up, you know, to have good moments um, against a young lion who has just been so dominant. Um, in terms of moving forward, though, we kind of knew for Derek, this fight, win, lose, or draw, wasn't going to do a whole lot. I mean, if he won, it would have done a lot for him, but um, win, lose, or draw, he's not going to get cut or anything, just sign a big deal. For Jailton, do you think this kind of put a bit of a damper on his on his future title plans? I mean, he moved two spots up in the rankings, but this was not exactly the dominant win that a lot of people were looking for. I think I think he's still going to have to work, obviously, to get up there. I don't think they're giving him a title shot anytime soon or, or a name like Searle or, or the loser, potentially maybe even a Stipe or Sergey. I don't think – or Sergey or Tom. Um, I think he's probably going to still end up having to fight a guy like Volkov or Curtis Blades. And obviously, the Curtis Blades – this was supposed to originally be Curtis Blades, and I think he's still want to go in that direction. And that's still stylistically, I think, a very good matchup. And I think it's very – I think that will show a lot uh, for Jalton, and it will make him – Maybe have to do certain things he hasn't had to do in his other fights, and I think I think that's the right way to go next. If regardless of, uh, I think no matter no matter the outcome of this fight, I feel like the next fight still was going to have to be Curtis Blades, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I think that's the most logical fight for both guys next. Um, I would love to see it, especially for the grappling man. Um, I'm way more intrigued to see that after seeing Derek Lewis have some success in the grappling man. And then not a whole lot, albeit. Like, let me be very clear, this was a very dominant win. I saw some people that were saying, like, this is a fraud check moment for Jailton Almeida. I'm like, what are you guys fucking talking about, man? Like, he won every single round relatively easily. Like, he got gas at points, and there was disappoint, uh, disappointing moments, but still a very... A dominant win. Um, I want to see that Blaze fight rebooked. For Derek Lewis, who knows who he will fight next, but realistically, you give him anybody and it will be exciting. Um, what do you, who do you want to see next for, for Derek Lewis, man? I, I'm just taking a quick look at the rankings. I mean, what do you, what do you say about Alexander Romanov, man? <laughs> like uh, that'd be a good one for him. I mean, that could be fun. Uh, I think Romanov does need to get a little push too, now that he's come back and. Yeah. We found out he had some personal stuff going on that affected his previous performance. So I think that's potentially an option. Um, another grappler, though, for Derek, so I'm sure he's not going to be a big fan of that. But, I mean, there isn't a lot to choose from here, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It really isn't. And uh, unless he's going to do some rematch with someone, maybe unless they do like a Tai Tuivasa rematch, which doesn't seem very unrealistic to me personally. I feel like they could do it. It's just it's just odd. I mean, there, I don't think there's a a lot of great choices for Derek, and and the one that and the one that makes sense isn't a good matchup for him at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he's definitely in a weird position just because heavyweight's in a really weird spot. I mean, we'll be we'll be previewing the interim title fight, you know, later later on in the show. But the heavyweight UFC's heavyweight division in general right now, just in a very strange spot. And this fight didn't really do anything to clear it up. I mean. You ideally, whenever you book a fight like this, you're hoping one of these guys goes out there and gets a big. Derek gets the knockout win, or Jailton goes out there and just dominates, and he he did, but it wasn't the type of domination that you want to see. So it's all good, Josh. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm still here waiting for my Alexander Volkov championship moment. You know, and you know what, Angel, we're gonna we're gonna you know what, fuck it. You know who they should rebook? They should do Alexander Volkov versus Derek Lewis. I think Volkov's like on a two fight win streak right now, though. 
And he's ranked uh, above him. He 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 is on a he's on a three fight winning streak. Oh shit! My but, boy putting in that work. But, but this is exactly what I'm saying though, Angel. This allows him to redeem himself from that fight five years ago, which was a ba- it's an all time banger. Balls is hot. I mean, it was Habib Connor. You know, like <laughs> I'm selling you on this. I know I am. You know, like it's just. I mean, I don't know. I think Volkov could fight someone up up higher in the rankings. Personally, I don't know who, but I'm I'm, I'm sure he could potentially get one. Yeah, of but that. but Angel. The, we'll, we'll talk about the title fights later on in the show, but the rankings do not matter, my friend. No, I, I know to, that. Yeah, he just needs to get a big win, and uh, maybe he'll get a title shot. Who knows? Potentially. Realistically not, but <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, Derek, I mean, like I said, you can book Derek against anybody. I'm just being, you know, yeah. being I mean, too that, that is a what nice thing about, uh, about Derek Lewis. You could, you could put him in there with anyone because you know what could happen. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Um, speaking of guys that you can put in there with any anyone, dude, Nicholas Dalby. I and speaking of fraud check moments, you know, I don't know if this. A, I don't think it's a fraud check moment. I think I think he's still very good. But God damn, Nicholas Dalby fucked up Gabriel Bonfim on Saturday night, man. Um, just a ruthless in the clinch knees elbows. Not, not initially though. We do we do gotta you know. Kind of reel it back a little bit. Yeah, it, go ahead, go ahead. It, it looked good for Bonfim early on. He seemed like yeah. we kind of were like, okay, well, this seems kind of like it's going the right direction, you know, or kind of what, what probably like a lot of people expected. And then Nicholas Dobby turns it around on us, bro. You're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly why I'm not calling it a fraud check moment because I saw some people saying that it was, and I'm like, dude, he looked very good early. But Nicholas Dobby, you mentioned that first round into the second round. I mean. I think four fight win streak right now too for Nicholas Dalby is not four, three. Yeah, four fight winning streak, but dude, elbows, knees, punches, the whole fucking kitchen sink was being thrown at that kid by Nicholas Dalby, man. Um, what do you think about his win overall? And like you mentioned, it four, I mean, four wins in a row and some very good names in that stretch. He's he's coming on in in his late thirties, man. Who do you want to see him potentially fight next if you have anybody? By the way, he's turning 30, 39 this month, approaching forty soon. I know. I will say you got to tip it though. Those those last four wins are not wrong. Those those are very good. A little rough there with the Tim Means one, but before that he had D Rod in there, Cowboy Oliveira. I mean that's that's a pretty solid group right there. Only one loss since his return to the UFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean he he might have to. I don't know. You might want to do a little push here. I don't know. Potentially, he's a. Uh, He's an interesting guy because of his age, right? So I don't know what they'll want to do with him. But one thing I did want to bring up, Josh, while we're talking about the co-main now and yeah. kind of all the cards underneath. Dude, the kind of – some of the Brazilian guys, and, and we already talked about two of them, kind of uh, – and some other prospects on this card ended up kind of uh, – I don't want to say letting us down, but kind of had like all right performances like, you know, Gabriel Bonfim, Jonathan Almeida, another guy, Cal Barale, which is always a little um, A little underwhelming, right? Angel. They let me down. <laughs> no, they, you can say it. They just straight up let me down. Yeah. Um, and not even just that, you know, well, and granted, this was a kind of, this was a banger fight, but like another guy who looked very, seeming to be on this dominant reign, uh, hopefully going into the rankings, Renat Frocadino versus Alessio De Santos, which ended up being a banger. What did you think about that decision, though? About that, that decision in that fight, Renat versus Alessio De Santos, that fight becoming a majority draw. How did you I, score that one? By the way, I I I was going back and forth when I was watching that one. So this is the only fight I didn't watch in its entirety. Just so you know, which is sad. 
Because oh, looked okay. Like, well, because it ended up being a banger. But this is the one fight I didn't watch in its entirety. Yeah, I thought I I, sc- I scored that fight for Renat. I thought it was a. I mean, it was a tough fight to score, though. I will say that it was a banger fight. I mean, that I thought that first round could have been a ten eight for Renat, and that third round could have been a ten eight for uh, Dos Santos. Like. It was back and forth, but not in the way that most fights normally are. It was typically just one guy beating the shit out of the other one. Yeah. For no. long stretches of time. Dude, it was crazy. I, I can tell you, I went back and forth. I was like, what the fuck? You're like, <laughs> what's going on? But I, but I will say, to highlight, like, what like two Brazilians that I thought came out of this and did, like, very well. Uh, obviously, Eduardo Mora would be my girl, Montserrat Canejo Reyes, on the, on the early prelims. Uh, Victor Petrino, this one was a big surprise to me, Josh, because he was taking on Mudesis Muskakis, who, with Victor, he hasn't been a professional that long. I feel like at times you've noticed that he is green. Uh, he did have an amateur career. He turned pro in 2019. He was knocking out a bunch of guys early on in the first round, and obviously he made the jump to UFC, and I thought it might have been a little too early. And so far, his athleticism has shown pretty much carried him through because he's 26. He's very young. He turned 26 this year. And uh, that this this check hook finish over Minutes Bukakis was like, all right, this is – okay, we could – there's potential here. Yeah. We know where this could potentially go. Yeah. Well, I mean, it turns out that Brazilian motherfuckers named Vitor are just <laughs> – if you're named Vitor and you're Brazilian, there's no other path for you. Like, you're, you're born a fighter. You know what I mean? Um, I was very impressed. Especially because, you know, Medeus Bukakis, on his, I guess, I guess he just started his second USC tenure, but still. Um, his second USC tenure, he's been very impressive to me. I mean, Tyson Pedro and Zach Pauga are both very good wins. Um, and so for Vitor to go out there and, like you said, that check fucking hook, dude, just a brutal knockout win. Um, he's really, I mean, and on I were a couple of, you know, a lot of young people disappointed us. That was a very impressive knockout win. Um, in terms of like the rest of the card, I loved I loved seeing Angela Hill getting back on the fucking the right track, man. Um, I believe she suffered a loss last time out, and I believe that's going to be three of four for her. Um, so you love to see it there. I, I got to ask you this, Angel, and I, I think I don't know if you know this. I'm pretty sure that the UC is just like randomly generating some of these fights though. Like <laughs> No, I'm dead serious. Like I had no idea Dante Mays versus Rodrigo Nascimento was a rematch until fight night. You know, I saw it but I couldn't remember the circumstance. <laughs> you know, yeah, you didn't you didn't remember that they just fought like a year ago, two years ago. You didn't know it, did you? <laughs> three years ago, three years three ago. Three years ago, my bad. Yeah. Yeah, I just fuck somebody was like so somebody's like, dude, they they're just rematching random guys now. <laughs> but uh yeah, so that's that is pretty funny. But yeah, man, in terms of UC Sao Paulo, look, man, I mean this is the second trip to Brazil this year. The one in January was I, I thought it was fine. It was weird, but it was still a lot of fun, I thought. Uh what would you rate this card, man? Out of ten, what do you think? I think it's a seven. Yeah. I think it's a seven. I think the, the obviously the main event ended up being a little underwhelming, but we knew, knowing that that potential could happen. Like I said, um, Calvarello kind of disappointed me a little bit in his Abus Magomedov fight. He still ended up getting the win, but I feel like for kind of the attention he's receiving, kind of the hype he's been getting, mm-hmm. I wanted a little bit more. But at the same time, maybe Abus came out better. You know, you gotta yeah. give, that's the other way you gotta think about it. So, 
And like I said, he still got the win, still got the decision. So, you know, credit where credit is due. Well, and you also got to go ahead and give a bit of credit to to Avus in the way that we said it last week, dude. For one round, he's a dog. You know, like that first round, he's gonna he's gonna look pretty sharp on the feet. Maybe even into the second. You know, he paced and, himself uh, a little better this time around, though. He did, he did, because you gotta remember that fight with Sean was is literally his second UFC fight, first UFC main event, like. Crazy to think about that he even got that one. Um, and now he suffered a loss to Kyle Barallo, whenever you think about it. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, Kyle, I, I still have high hopes for him, man. I mean, I was, I thought that fight was fine, you know. It was just fine, you know. wasn't yeah. exactly everything I wanted out of him, but he's still a very good young kid. Who do you think but, he should fight next? Because I think he's in the rankings now, right? Uh, I could pull up the rankings. I oh, he's know. not. I thought he would have broke through with that. I guess the UC was not. <laughs> was like, That's not going to cut it, son. But he'll probably end up fighting a ranked opponent next. Anthony time. Hernandez. <laughs> no, I fucking I don't know. Uh, Chris Curtis, maybe. I don't know. Dang, everybody's just getting thrown at Chris Curtis. Jack Hermanson, I think, would be a good shot. I know Jack That's is nine. Chris Curtis is so fucking entertaining, Angels. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not wrong. Jack, Jack Hermanson, I think, is a good shout. I'm, I'm a little thrown off though, Josh. I feel like no disrespect, but I think they need to remove Kelvin if he's going to move to 170 at this point from the 185 rankings. Dude, I don't understand the UFC's fucking rankings. Like, how they... I, I mean, I, I understand that technically it's done by, like, 30 media members who none of which I know or have ever heard of or can prove are real people. But, I, but dude, I hate that they do that. I fully agree. I, but they, they do this for other fighters, too. Like, they leave them in that division until they fight next time out. Like, it's, it's like, very annoying to see Kelvin here because I'm assuming... Cal was probably 15 now. Like, I would assume so. It makes sense, right? He, he would have to be, yeah. It's just odd to me that he isn't. Um, I don't know who else could be fucking 15 at this point or, or right there on, on the edge. Mm. I don't know, man. I, he's He's got to be He's got to be getting close, you know? So. No, I, really I, I, be, I believe he gets a ranked opponent next. I don't know who it will be, but yeah. I think we actually might be surprised at who could be, if anything. I think they might give him a guy who's decently up there, potentially. I agree. I would love to see him get a ranked guy, or at least somebody high profile. Uh, I brought Jack Hermanson. We haven't seen that fucker in a while. I can't even remember who. The, when was Jack Hermanson's last I, fight? It was, it was a it fight was, with Curtis. I think it's a Chris Curtis fight. I could be wrong. No, Roman Delice. Yeah, that's what I thought. He got murked by Roman last time out, and then he was supposed to fight Brendan Allen, which would have been a banger, but he pulled out. Brunson and, uh, injury and Hermanson injury, yeah. I don't know. It's been over a year now, or we're going to be closing in on a year of him not uh, fighting. Interesting, interesting. Hey, man, I fucking I love me some Jack Hermanson, dude. So I, we'll see. We will see. I still um, I still love how I run over the fan. I'm like, could you imagine if they made Jemaya fight Jack Hermanson MMA after he beat <laughs> up in a wrestling match? <laughs> well, hey, I mean, Angel. We'll, we will talk about it later on in the news section. But Hamza Jemaya is going to be doing a little bit of waiting, so who knows? <laughs> Maybe, dude, Jack Remains is going to get his fucking revenge. <laughs> it's not even going to be close, Angel. Um, jokes aside, I think we should move on because arguably the greatest UFC card of the year. Now, to be fair, there's been some excellent competition, and I think uh, this one took a major hit, which we've already talked about in the form of John Jones, Stipe. But in terms of main card, in terms of straight-up fights, man, UFC, it does not get much better than UFC 295. Headlined by light heavyweights, former champion Yuri Prozhaka back for the first time since he won the strap last June in Singapore, submitting Glover Teixeira. Crazy to think about, Angel. Now Glover's retired. I mean, that was a year and a half ago. So much has changed. A year and a half ago, Alex Bahia had not even been 
he hadn't even, like, won his fight to get the title shot yet. Not only now, he's fighting up with light heavyweight. He's a former champion. And, Angel, he's going to be the second man. Not excuse me, Let me rephrase. First man to headline Madison Square Garden twice. History for Alex Bahia. Not really? only history. Yeah. Angel. Wow. Yeah, no, that's a that's a fun 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 stat for you for the day. Maybe maybe I'll return the UC two ninety five uh, fun fact thread on Twitter. You guys may have to keep an eye out for that. But uh, anyways, yeah, first time ever somebody's headlining MSG twice for MMA anyway, um, and he will look to become a two weight UFC champion. Isn't that crazy? Now, yeah, and and dude, I mean, we're, he's still. I mean, we're. We're under three years that he's been, I mean, technically this will be, he just had two year anniversary with the UFC, but like, dude, it's fucking crazy to think about. I mean, he debuted at MSG. By the way, 2021. we got to bring up the fact that we got, we got to congratulate him. He was inducted into the glory kickboxing hall of fame. Yep. Uh, you know, you got to tip it two way champ also in glory. I believe it could be, could be incorrect there, but just something that's also going on this week. I don't know if you saw the embedded Josh, but you saw he got emotional. It was actually kind of, it was very weird seeing him vulnerable because he never shows a lot of emotion. I don't, I don't know. You saw that, right? Yeah, I did I, see it, and it was very odd. But at the same time, it's like, man, he's been showing more of his he's, personality. You he's, know? he's, right. he's a funny guy, man. Like, I got, we talked about it privately. I'm like, man, I can't, I can't deny him. I like, I like some Alex Mahan when he's not fighting against a lot of Sadia. I gotta be honest. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it's kind of like <laughs> weird. It's kind of like the Volk thing. You don't remember Josh? And I was like. Man, that, okay, I kind of have to, I kind of have to admit it. I kind of like me some Volkanovski when exactly. he's not fighting back yeah. all the way, you know? Exactly. Whenever he's not fighting my favorite fighters, I love, <laughs> I love him, you know? Um, and dude, like Alex Bahia, I mean, he, he got the, it's, it's fucking crazy, dude. It's fucking crazy. And I don't understand. I don't, I don't know how we're the only people talking about this. Cause I haven't seen other people say this, but like, with a win on Saturday night, you can make a very good conversation that Alex Bahia is the greatest combat force athlete of all time. A former, at least up there. He's up there. I mean, former two-division champion in kickboxing, in glory. He's not – I mean, I always make fun of him for this because I do think it's very funny that he calls himself a world, a world kickboxing champion. But he's not fucking doing the Andrew Tate kickboxing. He's not fucking ISKA, fucking WBC, <laughs> tw- fucking 24 champion, 24-7 champion, right? You're, you're, you're Euro champ. Uh, yeah, exactly. no, North European champion, anything like that, though. No. Yeah, this guy, exactly. This guy's he fighting did. in glory against the best. He's fight. He's a two division champion from Glory, the best of the best, and he went to the UFC. Already became one champion up at middleweight, and now he might do it again at light heavyweight. And he's still under ten fights for his MMA career. If I mean Alex Pay with the win, he's in the conversation. I don't know why more people aren't talking about it, but he absolutely is. Well, and it's and I think we gotta like kind of open up that conversation a little bit more now, Josh. Kind of like to explain because we gotta think of because we gotta. Think, like put put the names that would also kind of be in that conversation because we got to think about people like guys like Henry Cejudo, gold gold Olympian, uh, gold medalist Olympian. I mean, uh, two weight champ in the UFC, uh, Holly Holm, boxing champ, MMA champ, beat Ronda Rousey, big upset at its time. Uh, Daniel Cormier, former Olympian. Uh, who else can you throw in there now? Well, Francis Ngannou now, right? To an extent, obviously he hasn't won a strap, but. Just for the crossover, and, and obviously, who knows if we'll get there, right? But just to mention it, right? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know who else you can throw in there, kind of off the top of my head. I, I will mean, at a, at a point in yeah. time, Josh Krokop, right? Uh, I I don't 
I'm not that, educated that, that, enough. I don't even not as K- high. Not as high, but you know, but he did have a successful. Role. He had a he had a nice career in K1. I think uh, Alistair Overing you can make a case for too. Um, the Ream went from he essentially he essentially did what Nganu did, but like he actually completed it. Like he went to K1 and became a K1 heavyweight champion, and he won the Grand Prix, I believe, in 2010. Yeah. And he beat man, like his uh, if you guys have not watched Overing's K1 run. Like, if you want to sit down for a day, and I mean, like, literally a day, because all of his fights ended in, like, the first or second round. So, it's like, you know, we take, a, like, an a, hour. And a, a Brock Lesnar? Brock Lesnar's another good pick, but I think you can make a case that Brock Lesnar, maybe not combat sports, but Brock Lesnar may be the greatest, like, he's he, Bo, he's the he said it once, but he's the white Bo Jackson. I mean. That's another one that I just had in my head that just slipped me. But, I mean, there's, you know, there's it's an interesting conversation to bring up, man. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean the if the short list. I mean, but I think that's BJ probably the Penn, short list. This, this one's a little weirder one, but BJ Penn was like a black belt at eighteen. He won. He, he was the first American to win a mundial uh, as an American, mm-hmm. which is a big thing at its time. I know this is kind of like yep. He became a black belt, and I want to say three years, which has never been done. Yeah, or he. Yeah, that's what it was. I, I, eighteen might have been wrong, but he was. You, you did it fast. That's the other thing. Yeah, I mean, you can you can make a good case. I mean, he because he's. I mean, he earned the fastest legitimate black belt, I believe, of all time. Maybe that's changed since I've read about it. But, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can make a really good case for BJ. I, I, I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, he won the fucking, I just looked it up right now, he won the world championship in 2000 in, in, uh, in Rio. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of a lot of good guys. But, like, yeah, I mean, I think Alex Mejia, with the win, he joins the conversation at the very least. I mean, it, it, you gotta throw him in that conversation with guys like Henry Cejudo, like Brock Lesnar, like, you know, all the guys that we've just said. Like, he's in that conversation. Maybe even number one alongside with guys like Francis Ngannou and so on and so forth, right? Guys who've been able to, Alistair Overing, guys who've been able to go across different sports. But Angel, we gotta break into the X's and O's, my friend. Will he be able to do it? I mean, we, we know that Yuri has been out of action for a year and a half. He's likely going to be the bigger man of fight night. Granted, you know, Alex is fucking massive at light heavyweight. And even at light heavyweight, we haven't really seen a whole lot out of Alex Pahea. We saw the one fight, but that was in Utah. You know, it was kind of a weird one. Him and Jan Gast, I mean, it was kind of weird. Do you think he'll be able to manage to defeat the former champion and become the UFC's light heavyweight champion? We've been, we've been looking for somebody to, to save this division. <laughs> Do you think the man will be Alex Pay on Saturday? Oh, we gotta get. I kind of want to get. I gotta break it down a fair bit yeah. here, Josh, because I think as far as like the guys who were ranked up there, I think this is one of the better matchups he could get. But at the same time, I think Yuri Prohashka, for being gone so long, I think he's the out of all the guys who could be gone long and just come in and fight. I think he's the best out of the out of the bunch, in my opinion. Who could just mm-hmm. go back right into it because. I mean, the guy is, I, I used to say, I felt like he was like the 205 Tony Ferguson, dude. He just did his own thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, he, he was violent at its finest. He was throwing spinning elbows, electing wild, but he's also capable of the grappling, you know? That was the thing he had to develop in his rising days and kind of a, a, a issue he had. Not necessarily an issue, but a thing he had to deal with and get better with. And the guy has, you know, we've seen an incredible discipline. Uh, and he wants to get back in there. And I think, like I said, out of all the guys who could just hop back right into it, I think that guy's Yuri Prohashka who could do it. Um, I think Alex Bahia could definitely do some stuff here. I think he could definitely go down, walk down Yuri's finest shots, and 
potentially get him out of there. But I still have faith in Gary Prasovsky. I mean, he had – that's another thing we never talk about, Josh. It was two fights and then the title, I believe, right? Or something mm-hmm. along the lines of that, two or three fights. Yeah, it- both of these guys did have very close, uh, very similar rises. Uh, Yuri had two fights in the title. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, you know what's weird, dude? Alex Bahia's career, it's weird because he was always in the corner during Glo- – because he was there for the Blahovich fight. He was there for the year Prohoshka fight. Like, it's weird how he's always been there, so he already has kind of some knowledge. So that's why there's kind of a little a little extra worry in me. I'm not 100% sure. And look, I don't think it's set in stone, like I said, because Alex Bahia's still learning this whole MMA game. I think he's still getting better. It is five rounds. It is at a uh, weight class above now. I think he does feel more comfortable. He's talked about how it's easier to make weight. And he's. I think he still is even settling into 205 and getting his proper 205 body. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, Yuri's been removed from the game a while now. How many months has he been gone, Josh, since his last fight? Do you know off the top of your head by any chance? Uh, he's been gone for 19 months. Yeah, so over a year. I mean, that's a significant amount of time. And, you know, whether you believe in ring rust or not, I don't know, man. I think being away from something at all, is going to play somewhat of a factor, whatever that may be. But I think when it's time and they're in, they're in MSG and the lights shine bright, I think your Prohoshka will be able to shine through once again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, man, it's – I'm very conflicted on this fight. And if we're going to go ahead and pull up the – I'm still doing it right now. But um, the odds, I believe, on this fight are very, very close. Um I got him, Josh. One oh five per tap per tapology. One oh five, Yuri. Minus one twenty five, Alex. Alex, yeah, there you go, dude. Razor thin, damn near a pick'em. Alex is a very slight favorite. I think that sounds about right. Um, I'm going to go for Alex, right? Like that's another thing. Sorry, could you other? But you got a tip. Yeah, go ahead. It's it's incredible. Like like we've been saying, short amount of time being in this position. And he's a near even against a guy who has like 30 plus fights in his career in mm-hmm. MMA. Guy, a guy who's fought in, in one night tournaments, you know, like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It really is crazy, dude. It really is crazy whenever you actually sit down and put it in perspective. Um, very, uh, look, man, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and take Alex Bahia, but very, I mean, slightly, dude. I mean, I'm slightly taking him. I mean, it's very much a pick him. I think. Yuri, I'd honestly probably pick Yuri if he did not have the questions. And that injury that he had, and he was a guy that, like, I don't know if you remember. I remember whenever he first had the injury, he vacated the title, and he's like, I'm going to be out for, like, a year, which ended up being a, about correct, you know. But I remember he was, you know, saying, like, oh, yeah, I'll be back as soon as June. I'll be back as soon as July. Like, he was saying some crazy shit, you know. like, mm-hmm. But uh, his shoulder was really fucked up, man. And for first fight back – Recovery seemingly went worse than he probably expected, which is why he's it's taken him the full, you know, longer than a year. I'm going to go and take Alex Bahia. I just think he's the more seasoned guy, at least recently. He's very active. I think the punching power is going to be a big thing because we've seen Yuri get hurt by guys that are not known hitters because he leaves himself open. He has such an odd style, which helps him in a lot of different aspects. But one thing that it also leads to is a lot of open punches. And a lot of straights down the middle. And I think Alex Bay is going to fucking, he's going to land some of those, man. And I think he's probably going to get a big win. Um, in what way? Probably by finish, man. I feel, ve- I like, I, I, I'm a big, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm very, I'm very even on this one, kind of 50 50 straight down the middle. But I think Alex, he's going to be able to land and find open spaces for those clean punches. I don't think Yuri's going to have as easy of a job doing that. 
Um, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be a banger, though. I think it's going to be a banger regardless. So, very excited to see it. But, Angel, my friend, I mean, it's not the only gold that's going to be all available <laughs> on the night. Oh, baby. Fucking let's go, because we got in the co-main event, heavyweights. Sergey Pavlovich, we knew the story. He was the backup man. But they want to keep John Jones, Stipe Miocic alive and, you know, can't blame him. So Sergey Pavlovich, who was the backup fighter for this fight, will now be taking on Tom Aspinall, who, you know, obviously we know the story. He was a guy that was looking at as a future champion. He had the knee injury to Curtis Blades, came back a year later and beat the fuck out of Marcin Tybora, stepping in here on two weeks notice. But as he said, he was, tr- he was getting into training anyway. Because UFC already told him that he was probably be fighting for the vacant title in early 2024. Two young heavyweights, in my opinion, better than the first fight. This is the future of uh, heavyweight uh, mixed martial arts, man. Who do you got in this interim heavyweight title fight? I mean, you said it right there. These guys are the future. It's another thing I want to say, Josh. I don't think this is the last time these two guys will be meeting each other for some reason. I have a weird feeling about that. Um. I don't know why, but it's just how I feel. I feel that these guys will have more than one fight uh, mm-hmm. whenever their career is said and done, you know, once their both their careers have concluded. But to get into it, I mean, fuck, dude. What a banger. What a banger. I mean, both these guys are incredibly talented. Uh, you know, when it, ta- when it comes to heavyweights, these, these are the guys that we're always talking about, right? Who Who's up next? Who's who's going to get next? Who's who's in question, right? And fuck, dude, Sergey Pavlovich in his return has just fucking he's, – he's been on a fucking warpath, dude. Taking mm-hmm. everybody out. Tom Aspinall putting, putting in some work too, man. Obviously injuries kind of sidelined him, delayed him a little bit. And, uh, he's back in action. I, that is, and it's weird because I feel like now I'm kind of, kind of be taking the, the kind of take you did where it's like, I feel more confident in, in Sergey Pavlovich because he's been around and, and he's been active, but at the same time, he's been wrecking guys too. That's the other thing on top of that. And, uh, Tom Aspinall just got back. It hasn't been that long. It was an injury as well. It's only one fight in, and he's taking on this guy who's just this fast knockout machine. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like Sergey Pavlovich is kind of my comfort pick here. But I think in five rounds, I would I kind of feel confident because I know Tom can win the fight in multiple areas. Um, as far as strictly in the UFC, I don't think we've seen that with Sergey yet, but it doesn't mean he's not capable of it. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it, man. I think comfort, comfort pick is the good way to phrase it. Cause that's exactly what Sergey Pavlovich is to me. Um, Tom Aspinall, man, it's kind of funny. Like both of these main events, I'm picking the main and co-main largely for the same reason. I'm going to take Sergey Pavlovich. Tom Aspinall, I just got a lot of questions, especially the fact that he had the knee injury, which didn't really throw me off. I mean, he's a torn ACL. It happens, you know. I mean, there, there's a lot of worse things you can have, especially in 2023, Achilles and so on and so forth. An ACL, I mean, fuck, dude, like, he was fine, you know, um, for the most part. Came back, beat Tybora, who we kind of know the story. He's okay, but he ran through him in the way that a uh, top guy should run through marching Tybora. Coming in here on two weeks' notice, I got I got to take – I got to take Sergio Pat. I just think he's beaten the better guys, at least to this point. Because Tom Aspinall has beaten some good names. He ran through Volkov, and he ran through Tybora. But I do think that Pavlovich has the better overall resume. Blades, Kuivasa, Lewis, you know, especially those big knockout wins, too. 
Um, I think on the mat is what I'm very interested to see. I, cause, you know, what's the big knock on Pavlich? He had the knockout loss to Overeem back a couple of years ago where he got taken down and just battered by like a 70 year old Alistair Overeem. So, you know, like, um, and he, he showed improved grappling in some of his more recent appearances whenever guys have tried to take him down. I just, uh, if Aspinall could get it down, it'd be very interesting. I think he's going to get caught though. I think Pavlich, and he only needs one. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's he's terrifying. So I'm going to go ahead and take Sergei Pavlovich to go ahead and get the win. Would I be surprised if Tom Aspinall emerged with, with the interim title? No, not at all. But And I also think this is a much different situation than the Volk one. I saw people comparing them whenever this fight first got announced. This is much different. I mean, he's younger. He's talking about how he was, you know, already getting into – he's already been training anyway, you know. So it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but I am going to go ahead and take Sergei Pavlovich to get the win. I think it's going to be an interesting, interesting fight. Hopefully, it's an excellent one. But let's be honest, Andrew. I want you want to get your opinion um, before the fight, just so we can talk about it. There's no fucking way John Jones or Steve Miocic are going to fight either one of these guys, right? No, and that's it's such a weird thing, right? Because it yeah. just puts the division in such an odd spot. Yeah, I agree. This kind of it, it, the closest comparison I can make would be whenever Bisping was out due to injury, you know. Uh, in like 2017, and they booked that like interim title fight between Robert Whitaker and Yoel Romero, and everybody knew that like the winner of that fight was not going to face the winner of Bisping GSP. You know what I mean? This is basically the closest thing that we can have, but even then, this is a little bit different because we still don't really know exactly what John's going to do. Um, I think Stipe is is going to be done regardless, though. But nonetheless, man, um, think, you got, I think yeah. I think they're going to get they're going to do their one fight and they're out. Right, like that just makes the most sense, right? I don't think John will come back for another. Like, I, I was kind of hoping for it, but I think now with the injury and everything, I think this kind of will cement his exit from the sport. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's about how I feel too. So I, I would love to see John Jones Stephen Mayo just fight either one of these guys, but if they don't, it is what it is. This is going to be an excellent fight regardless. Um, nonetheless, man. Just one fight down. This is an excellent, excellent fight, man. Um, a, <laughs> it's a battle of the Brazilians, Angel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mackenzie Dern uh, taking on Jessica Andrade. Man, Mackenzie Dern coming in here. Still looking to get that title shot. 30 years old. She appears to be hitting her prime. She's had multiple fights now where it's like she's gotten a bit of a close-up. She's had a main event. And she, you know, the, the Jan Jonan fight and the Marine Rodriguez fight, she just barely, you know, she barely suffered a decision loss those nights. Rebounded with a win over Angela Hill in May. Now she's going to be taking on the former champion, Andrade, coming in here on a three-fight losing streak. This is going to be her fourth fight of the year, and she needs it badly, man. Um, what do you think about this fight, man? Mackenzie Dern, you know, she's always been somebody that, like, I really think, like, this is a matchup that's not good for her normally, but dude, I mean, Jessica Andrade, a lot of question marks coming into this one. Dude, I can't believe this is this girl's fifth fight of the year. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, well, pretty crazy. I mean, look, the thing about Mackenzie Dern is you got to tip it, man. She's been putting in that work. We've seen the training videos. We've seen that she's been out there in Arizona putting in some work with Henry Cejudo. Um, she's dedicated to the game. You've seen that she's trying to improve, trying to get better. She's not just leaning on the jiu-jitsu she's trying to develop that wrestling too to get that to the ground because that was a big knock on her for a while her issue was she was she was good on the mat but the issue is she couldn't get the fight to the mat and then 
on top of that, her hands weren't fully there enough to even kind of make enough of a disturbance so she could threaten the takedown. And we've noticed in her last fight, there was an improvement in that department. So I think this fight is in the show, okay, is she able to use all of that against a super talented gal who we know can do a little bit of everything as well? You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. The only knock I'd say on this fight a little bit, we know Jessica Andrade is kind of going more than she's coming. So that's where I kind of feel a bit weird about it. But at the same time, I think it's still a challenge, no matter what, for McKenzie Dirt. Because Jessica Andrade is still game. We still gotta, she's still going to be there. She's still going to show up. And uh, I mean, I don't know. Anything is possible, man. I mean, I'm going Mackenzie Dern mm-hmm. because I think this will be her... In a way, coming out party, but not necessarily coming out party either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same page, man. I mean, this will be a coming out party. I mean, they put her on this card in this position with this opponent for this reason. You know what I mean? Um, I would not be surprised if she even won this fight and got a title shot very soon afterwards. I mean, so we're waiting. We're, we're still waiting to see what's going to happen with Whaley, you know? Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I'm expecting Mackenzie Dern to get a statement win here. I just, man, I don't know if it just got Andrade just like past her prime or if it's just because she's taken so much damage in her recent fights or she's only 32, but she's been fighting professionally for over a decade now, you know? Um, and also, I mean, she just keeps on taking these, these short notice fights too. I mean, I don't believe this one short notice, but you know, fuck man. I mean, fourth fight of the year, dude, it's, it's rough. So, um, anyways, man, next up on the main card, I am, so fucking psyched for this fight, man. Benoit St. Denis, fresh off a knockout win over Tiago Moises in September. He's back, taking on Matt Steamroller Frivola, ranked in the lightweight division. Three knockout wins in a row, last defeating Drew Dober back in May. This fight screams banger. It screams pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Like, this is yeah. going to be an absolute excellent one. Who do you got, man? Obviously, Benoit Saint-Denis, he's the hyped-up guy right now. But Matt Frivola just keeps on pulling out all this stuff and pulling off some big upsets. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is a big one for Matt Frivola, man. I think if he go, if he wins this, for me, I'll finally be like, okay, I I believe. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Not to say his other wins haven't been impressive. They've been great. He's had a good job on all of them. But St. Denise has been in this good live ball competition. Now that he's fighting a 155, man. And if he does win, if St. Denise wins here and beats Matt Favola, I won't be too surprised. I won't be surprised at all, really. But if Matt Favola beats St. Denise, I will be very surprised, Josh. Because like I said, I've been mm. kind of on the fence about him. I've been like, I I, I don't know. You're you're ranked, but I'm, it's, I'm not saying you don't deserve it. But in comparison to the guys who are also there, I don't feel like he personally stands out. For me to think, oh man, he's gonna beat this guy and get up there and all of that, especially when he's already lost a guy like Armin Sarukin, you know. So mm-hmm. that's the other big thing for me. But I'm going to say Denise Josh, I'm feeling it. I think this is kind of a, I mean, this is be a banger. Let's just say it. it's gonna be a banger. Oh, it's absolutely gonna be a banger, man. Um, I'm so fucking psyched for this fight. Been watching Denise, man. I mean, I we we've talked we talked about it for a while now, man. Um, or at least I, I mean. I've tried to push him hardcore. I mean, this guy, the god of war, dude. I mean, he's a like, what the fuck? I mean, he's a form, he's a former fucking army member, you know, like, um, former marine, excuse me. I mean, this guy's fucking dangerous. Um, Matt Frivola can absolutely win this fight. 
I think Benoit St. Denis leaves himself very wide open. So this first round is especially going to be interesting to see. Um, and, but I think if he can take the punches, and I expect he will, the guy has a fucking ridiculous chin that we've seen so far. Um, I expect him to get the win. And Maverick is a dog, and I liked his winning streak, and I like his story right now. But damn, dude, Benoit St. Denis is coming through. And I fully expect him to get a win on Saturday. Lastly, opening up the main card should be another, like, you know, the, the two fights to open up the main card, Maverick and Benoit St. Denis, and now Diego Lopez taking on Pat Sabatini. These fights aren't, like, top-tier guys. They're not going to jump off the page a whole lot. But goddamn, are they entertaining guys, man. Diego Lopez, his third fight in the UFC, suffered a decision loss to Movsar Ilovev, uh back in May. Rebounded with a dominating winner, Gavin Tucker. Now will return to take on Pat Sabatini. Pat Sabatini, 32-year-old, out of Philly. Currently riding, not riding, used to be, coming off a winner with Lucas Almeida. Prior to that, you know, won six fights in a row. Uh, sandwiched in is a loss to Damon Jackson, but no shame in there, man. Um, this is going to be a banger to open up the main card. Who do you got in this one up at Featherweight? Look, man, I followed Diego Lopez's career for, for a decent bit of time now, and I, I know he's good. I know his game. But look, I got to give some credit to Pat Sabatini, dude, because he also has a very strong ground game. Very good. I think a very good wrestling base as well. I think he's going to get it done here. Uh, I know a lot of people have gotten kind of hyped up because they saw Diego Lopez come in on short noise and do good against Mozart Elevator. They think Diego Lopez is good, but there's been times where I'm, I feel like he's falling short to this level of competition that I felt like he should have been in at the time. Um, I think Sabatini will probably get it here, and I think he'll be able to avoid any chokes, avoid any danger on the ground. And I'm I'm almost curious: is the fight even going to go to grow to the ground, or are they going to try to keep it on the feet? Because they both have very good uh, capable abilities on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. We're going to split here. Uh, I'm going to take Diego Lopez, man. Um, I like Pat Sabatini a lot. I still think he's very, very good. But Diego Lopez, man, 28 years young. I think he's he's the more electric man. I think he's going to go out there and get a stop. Maybe not a stoppage win because Pat Sabatini's a fucking dog. But uh, I've been very impressed with his two UC outings thus far. I expect him to go ahead and get out, get out there and get a win on Saturday night. Um, nonetheless, I... Sure, it'll be a close one. In terms of the rest of this card, there are some big names, maybe not exactly as stacked as uh, some of these MSG cards in the past, but what fights do you most want to talk about, man? Ooh. Let me look. Let me, let me go. Let me scroll down a little bit. One for me, and, and I got to – actually, I'm going to highlight these two guys individually. Not a, I don't know I'm looking at it here. Steve Ursig and Joshua Van, two guys at 125 who – just came up this year. I mean, they just made their, their UFC debuts this year and both looked very good. I mean, Steve Ursa came in here, gave a guy, I think it was David Dvorak, guy who was ranked a, a very good performance on short notice too, wasn't in the UFC and bam, he's in the rankings like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you got, you got to tip that always. And Joshua Van, another guy, young, 22 years young, 125er, comes in, fights all the guys with Magulov. Gets a split decision. He's uh, fighting an older, a vet, a guy with a fair bit of experience. And I'm kind of interested because they're giving him Kevin Borjas, who's also UFC newcomer. So you can kind of see that they kind of want to build up uh, both these guys, both these young guys. I believe Kevin is 23. I could be wrong. If not, at least in his early 20s. And like I said, Josh is 22. So I'm kind of glad to see that they're giving these young guys, uh, you know, they're building them up. They're not just mm-hmm. throwing them into the fire. Yeah, dude. I mean, hey, I fucking love seeing 
young guys down at flyweight. Flyweight's a division that we've talked about that nearly got cut, you know what I mean? Like, and because of that, when, when, I don't even know how many fans know this, but back in like 2018 or 2019, like they were in the, they literally were in the process. They cut down to like 11 flyweights or some shit. You know what I mean? And they just signed a couple of older guys and you don't really see too many young guys down at flyweight. I'm very happy you shut that fight out, man. Um, that should be an absolute banger. Uh, or at the very least, it's, it's just good to see like a non, ranked, like, flyweight fight, you know what I mean? Like, it's just good to see younger guys competing down there at a weight class that does not get a lot of attention. Um, in terms of my, uh, myself, Tabitha Ricci versus Luffy Godinez is going to be a fucking banger. Tabitha Ricci's won, like, four in a row, I believe. Uh, Luffy has won three in a row. Beaten, they both beaten some very good names. Excited to see it. Roosevelt Roberts, he's an interesting one, man. Stepping in here on, on uh, not short notice, but... Um, yeah, never mind, actually. Yeah, he last fought at fucking Eagle FC, dude, um, which shows you how long that's been. Last May, and now he's stepping in here, getting a second UFC uh, offer, take on Mateus Rebecki. It's going to be a second UFC stint. We'll see how it goes for him. Jared Gordon, Mark Madsen, clashing a lightweight two vets. Excited to see that one, man. Admittedly, on these prelims, there's not a whole lot I have to say, but it is still a very solid card, man. What, just to kind of wrap up. What are your thoughts, man? I'm excited, man. I'm happy. Another pay-per-view. Big card. Uh, next pay-per-view is about to go crazy, especially with all these fights they just announced. I know we'll be talking about it here in a bit, but I'm hyped, man. Obviously, we did lose Sean Jones, uh, Stipe, because I think that, is still, that was a big moment still in the sport, Josh, that we're not going to get to enjoy right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but I, th- I think we're going to get it. I, I really do. I don't, think, I don't think either one of those guys will retire without facing off, man. Um, that being said, just just partially because of the money too. Also, I mean, I think they both they both wanted that fight forever, so we'll see it. But um, nonetheless, man, we do have a, honestly a lot of a lot of news to talk about. So I think it's just fair to to go ahead and straight into it, man. We talked about it on the show a couple weeks ago. Jake Paul announced that he will be returning in December, December fifteenth. This will be on the Zone, not pay per view. And we kind of figured, okay, with that being the case, he's probably going to face somebody that's not a big name. Probably going to be, you know, if it is a big name, they're not going to be a boxer. You know what I mean? Like, we kind of had a good idea. We ended up being pretty much right on the money. Uh, Jake Paul will face Andre August, record 10-1-1, five knockouts, December 15th in Orlando, Florida. This will be an eight-round cruiserweight fight. And uh, look, man, he's come, Andre August coming off of the decision win over uh, 7-0 Brandon Martin earlier this year. Um, he said, I don't talk in a quote given to, to me via press release earlier this morning, quote, I don't talk very much. I'm all about that action. Jake Paul has the money, the fame, the team, and the resources, but he doesn't have my hunger. When that bell rings, I'm going to go straight to Jake Paul and ring his bell and send him back to YouTube for good. Uh, look, man, uh, what Jake a, Paul. What a quote, by the way. You got to that's pretty hey, good. That is pretty good. And uh, look, man, it, it, and some people have already done their digging on this guy, and and I've watched some film already. I mean, he has a really good left hook. You know, he's there's some attributes, but there is a clear reason why they picked him. I mean, um, he's the shorter man. He's not very active. In fact, he took a four year hiatus prior to his most recent fight. Um, in in 2018, he got knocked out which is his loss and that was a uh, the guy that he got knocked out by has a record of seven and 16 now he does at the time he did at the time he was three and three we have to be fair yeah 
So yeah, I mean, first thoughts, Angel. I mean, we kind of we kind of expected something like this. I mean, it's kind of set up, man. This is just a boxing game, you know. I'm not surprised. I mean, you see other boxers kind of give fights, like even a guy like Canelo. Uh, when he yeah. fought, oh my god, I can't even think of the guy's name. Was he Turkish? I could be wrong. Um, I'm trying to find, uh, uh Yildirim. Yildirim. When he fought, I mean, Yildirim. Yeah. Which Turkish? I was right. Like, you know, that was kind of one where you're like, what? You know, like, I don't yeah. know. I don't, you know, even, even guys at the high level still get kind of fights that are kind of like, a little, you know, so I'm not surprised. This is, this is typical boxing, Josh. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. It is absolutely typical boxing. There's honestly not a whole lot to really say about this. I mean, I've watched some film of this guy. He's probably going to get knocked the fuck out inside of a round or two. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but, like, when you're signing a guy on, like, short notice like this and, you know, he's a tune-up fighter. He's a, he's a club-level fighter, you know. Um so, he'll probably win, you know? But uh, it is what it is, man. It is what it is, and excited to see him back. And hope, hey, you know what? At the very least, good for this guy. Like, fucking good for this guy. 100%. Like, this is a guy, like, right? um, yeah, imagine this, dude. Imagine this. Imagine you take off four years of boxing for whatever reason. I don't know why. I guess we'll find out throughout the press buildup or whatever. But he took off four years from 2019 to 2023, came back, won a fight in August, and now he just randomly gets this bag. Like, that's fucking crazy. Like, that's literally going to change his life. So, at the very least, I'm happy for this kid, you know? I say kid, he's 35 years old. But, it's <laughs> just, just, but, you know, good for him, man. Good for him. Um, but we do have some actual, some, some real, some real fights to talk about, Angel. Because Dana White, man. No, no. Um, we do have some, I mean, well, they did announce a card. Uh, B Day versus uh, I believe Jarvis. Jarvis, but there's not a whole lot I care about the undercard. Do you? I, uh, you know something? I haven't even looked at it to be honest with you, but uh, I'll check it out whenever it happens here in a week. It's yeah. going down. It's going down on a Friday. Funny enough, like is that even like like a Friday at like noon? Which is interesting. That's very. That's an interesting call. Um, but it's kind of I don't want to say a throwaway card, but they do have a lot of uh lower lower tier names on there. Um. Nonetheless, though, man, we have some real, some real fight announcements from the UFC, from the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Dana White, man, oh, he got on there and just in. And normally, there's like rumors, you know, for some of these fights, dude. The he, I didn't see any of these coming, man. We'll start off with the UFC 297, set for January in Canada. In the main event, Sean Strickland will be meeting DDP, Drikus Duplessis. For the middleweight title, it will not be Hamzat Shemaev. Uh, he was supposed to get the title shot with the winner of Kamaru Usman. He will apparently not be getting that. Uh, but it's all right, though, because in the Coleman event, we're also going to be getting a women's bantamweight champion. Amanda Nunes retired back in June in Canada, funnily enough, and they decided to pick up exactly where they left off because we're going to be having – of all the variations of a women's title fight, Angel, I don't think, I don't think this is the one that anybody saw coming. Uh, Myra Bueno Silva will be taking on Raquel Pennington, uh, for the women's bantamweight title in the co-main event. Um, 
give me your thoughts on this card, man. We'll we'll keep we'll go straight down the line to the other fighting outfits in a minute. But in terms of two ninety seven, man, this is a this is gonna be a big one. I mean, as far as the main event, I think the main event's good. I think the co-main event is good enough. I think you know, especially because that is, I mean, that's they're gonna be. Is is this one is this is for the vacant title? I thought. Wait, so they switched it up on me because I thought Juliana was gonna end up being in the title fight regardless or something like that. Or she, this was gonna be the winner. Of this was gonna be the other half of the main event for the title fight versus Juliana. So they said, "Fuck that." They're straight up just doing Raquel Bueno Silva for the title. Yeah, Juliana Pena was supposed to fight for the title, but apparently she is hurt. Ah, okay. So apparently that's why. Thank you for clarifying for me. I mean, look, like I said, I think it's good enough as the co-main event. Uh, I think it'll still be a good fight. Both these girls are game. I think uh, even doing as far as like star power and names, you know, maybe you know that's not really there. But I think fight wise, I think it'll, it'll it'll be good enough. And looking just at the undercard a bit of this uh, of UFC, what is it, two ninety seven? You said, yeah. I think it'll end up being a, a pretty decent, without you know obviously getting into it in preview. I think it'll end up being a pretty good night of fights. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a it's a really I mean that main and co-main. I mean the main event I'm psyched for. And and imagine telling somebody in fucking January that oh yeah a year from now Sean Strickland and Drake is two plus here to be fighting for the middleweight title, dude. Just fucking imagine telling somebody that. Um, mind-boggling to think about. But I will say, uh, the co-main event, um, hilarious. I, I don't know how you feel about it. Of all the variations, like, people don't give a fuck about this division as it is. And giving the title shot to Mara Buena Silva after she failed the drug test <laughs> and had her win overturned anyway, it's the funniest shit. Um, yeah, it is a bit odd, isn't it? <laughs> she's technically, she's technically not even on the roster right now. She's, cause, cause she's suspended. She's still suspended. She's suspended until, like, December 29th or, sh- or something, right? I know. Yeah. yeah. So, like, she's not even in the rankings. Uh, yeah, I really thought they would have gone Holly home, if, uh, or, or obviously if Juliana was out. I mean, there's still other options that I thought would have made more sense, but... Holly home or Cal Pennington could have been a good fight. Yeah, and, well, they've, they've fought twice already, and neither fight was good. But it would have been a bigger fight, you know? Yeah. Or or Holly versus they could have done I mean, fuck dude like there, there's there's many things they could have done, um, and I remember I saw like the the winner of this fight got announced on on social media people were just losing their minds like are you oh my god this is poor Canadian fans bro like yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think this should, I think it's still a good card yeah and I actually think uh, Raquel Pennington versus Mara Buena Silva could have like a lot of like that should be fun actually like I think there's gonna be a couple fun grappling exchanges in that one probably like. I don't think it'll be that terrible. It's just not exactly what I was expecting. But anyways, man, um, we do have a couple of other fight announcements. UFC 298. After Alexander Volkanovsky lost to Islam Makhchev, he said, I want to stay active. Well, that's exactly what he's going to be doing. He'll be taking on Ilya Tepourier in uh, apparently the rumored location is L.A., by the way. For, I, uh, yeah. I saw something else that said, uh, that said uh, Australia. Interesting. Yeah, so. Well, we've both know. seen different things then. I, I believe Tapori himself said something like uh, L.A., so. We'll there was like a, he made like an official kind of, or I don't know if he did or someone did or UFC did, but there was kind of like an actual big production video that he did announcing yeah. the fight that said L.A., but then I saw something else that said it's actually not going to be in California, it's going to be in Australia. But if it is in California, Josh, 
we get to see what a Volkanovski paycheck looks like. Exactly. It, yeah. I don't know. Kind of interesting if it does end up happening there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, man. I mean, look, this is an excellent fight. Um, it's the one I've wanted to see. It's it's literally one of the greatest fights I think the UFC could possibly make right now. Like, I understand that Volkanovski is coming off a loss, and I'm glad they did not let him come back in January. I'm glad they pushed him back a month, you know. Um, very, very excited to see this one. And I know that everybody thinks Volkanovski is, is head and shoulders above everybody. But I don't know, man. I mean, I mean Ilya Taporia, man. I mean, he's got he's got something about him. He just feels inevitable. But so does Volkanovski, man. So very excited to see it. Um, nonetheless, we do have one final fight announcement, and it is Sugar Sean O'Malley. Sugar, the Sugar Show will be back in March to take on Marlon Cheeto Vera, coming off a win over Pedro Munoz. Um. In, in, you know, in August, um, we kind of knew this one was in the pipeline for quite a while. You saw people on Twitter were trying to act surprised, bro. Come on, guys. You know this is going to happen. I know. It's, it's, I mean, it's definitely still fucking stupid, though. But, I mean, it is, uh. It's, it's the Sugar Show, Josh. Sugar Show does what he wants. No, no, I know. I know. I know. We don't, we don't, we don't pick fights around here. We don't do gimmick fights unless, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just fucking around. But, um, regardless. That would be good, though. Huh? The lead up to this fight would be very good. No, no, this is this is this is just this is an awesome fight. It just you know it's just I hate that they're forcing. I actually think this fight I would have been totally down for this fight if they went out there and Cheeto actually earned a title shot. You know what I mean? And it made logical sense. Uh, be it as it is right now, this fight doesn't really make any sense. But nonetheless, it should be a banger. They're gonna headline UFC 299. I don't think there's a rumored location for this one right now. Um, I'm gonna assume Vegas probably. Yeah, probably Vegas. Nonetheless, it's going to be a banger, man. What do you think about this fight announcement? And uh, I mean, how we knew it was going to come up. We just didn't know what what if it's going to be on two ninety nine or three hundred or or whatever. But Josh, doesn't this kind of make you wonder though? Like they have these three really big fucking fights. What's UFC three hundred going to be? It's kind I of. Mean- yeah, I I, I got it. It's got that next month too's pay per view, which will be Kevin Covington, Leon Edwards, and then the Pantosha Brandon Ravel. Like I'm kind of really thrown off. Like it's kind of looking like we're gonna get Conor McGregor, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it's gonna be Conor. I mean, I think it's lining up like kind of perfectly, you know. Um, it has to be really, but I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it depends. Depends on a lot of different factors, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. If if Alex Bahia wins on Saturday night, Angel, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And even Alex Bahia was I, I know what you're about to say. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We let the people know, Ricky's. Josh. Let the people know, Josh. I know what you're going to say, but let the people know. They're going to do Izzy versus Alex Bahia 3 if he wins. <laughs> but, uh, but tell me what weight class, Josh. Tell me the fucking gonna, weight class. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a light heavyweight. It's going to be for the for the UFC light heavyweight title. The trilogy. Did you the, the, Wouldn't the it make trilogy. sense? Three, 300 trilogy. It just, it, dude. Plot <laughs> armor, right? Dude. Ah, uh, man. And you know what? I, I, I don't even, it wouldn't make any sense for them to do it and give Izzy a title shot a light heavyweight, but like, they could do fuck it. it. 
they're, they're establishing the principle now that if you have beef with somebody, you can just skip the line. <laughs> if you guys have that that level of beef, if you guys just want to fight that bad, fuck it, you know? Like, Could you imagine if uh, Kai Kara France would chat? Dude, Mendel Cape and then would have fought an eternity ago. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anyways, man, I mean, I'm, I'm very, uh, man. It's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting. Um... This this fight, I I I don't understand why people were surprised about it. I mean, I think it's it, it was pretty clear they were gonna do this for a while. That's why they even put them on the same card together, um, back in August. So yeah, I'm not that surprised. Let's get it done. Let's keep the division moving, um, because you got I mean, Marab deserves a title shot. Corey deserves a title shot. You know, out, if if we if we were going by the consistent rules of you know. Being a being a champion with multiple title defenses, Aljo also deserves a title shot. You know what I mean? So there's there, there's multiple different guys. So we got to keep the division moving. And at the very least, if they're going to book a fight like this, I'm happy they're doing it relatively soon. You know, um, I mean four months from now, but still, you know, time in MMA moves very fast. So nonetheless, uh, speaking of time moving fast, uh, Jorge Masvidal will not be doing time after <laughs> allegedly assaulting Colby Covington last March. They were, uh, as I've spoken about on the show, they were at the Poppy Steak Bar and Grill uh, when apparently Jorge Masvidal, I guess I don't have to say apparently anymore, did attack Colby Covington um, and punched him, knocked out several of his teeth. Uh, He reached a plea deal and will not be doing any time. He had time served, and Jorge Masvidal is now a free man. He's able to put this behind him. Afterwards, he immediately got online and threatened Colby Covington again. Uh, What did you think about this? About this news and this saga. Dude, I fucking completely forgot these guys were still going through all this shit like a while back. I'm not even going to lie to you. Yeah. But, yeah, but at mean, least it's, it's over, though. Yeah, it's good that it's over. I mean, it, this is over. This is almost two years in the making, Angel. I mean, we're, you know, four months away from it being two years. Crazy to think about. I mean, uh, Jorge, we he said he's going to... Uh, this. Probably clears the way for a return. I mean, he's already said that he's going to come back. Like, Jorge Masvidal has confirmed that, you know? So, um, at least in boxing. I don't know if we talked... Did we talk about that on the show already? No, not really. Oh, well, yeah. Jorge Masvidal did recently confirm in an interview with ESPN that he is coming back. in Fully, 100%. He said he can't announce it yet, but that it's going to be a big name in boxing in 2023. Who do you think Um, it would be? Who do I think it would be? I don't think it's going to be Jake Paul because he just had a fight announced, and I think like they're semi-friendly. I could see it being Logan, but I don't think Logan would want to take another fight so soon. Um, I don't know. One I, more guy, Josh. The Nightmare! Oh, KSI! No, he's not going to fight KSI. I don't know who the fuck Jorge's going to box, dude. I literally don't know. Maybe he'll Maybe he'll box like an actual boxer. Maybe he'll box like... Like a, like an older name or something. I don't know. Maybe he'll fucking maybe he'll find. I mean, you know, fucking he'll pull a Jake Paul dude. What if that's exactly what he does? Like instead of like boxing older MMA fighters, he just decides Jorge decides to box old boxers. You know, he's like fucking where's Zab Judah at? You know, like. <laughs> uh, anyways, though, um, yeah, Masvidal, dude, big wins for him this week. Big wins. He got the charges dropped. He's coming back. But he, you know, he had, now he's, he may end up fighting Chael Sonnen, uh, if, if their online beef is anything to, to, uh, take anything away from. Uh, Chael Sonnen has been going back and forth with Jorge Masvidal. 
Because Jorge, after, you know, he threatened Colby Covington again, Chael got involved, and uh, he's been mocking him online. Chael Sonnen's going to war with everybody right now. He's arguing with, with Ariel Hawani, man. Like, he's going back and forth with journalists about the antitrust lawsuit, man. You know, not saying any shit that's accurate, but um, <laughs> doing it nonetheless. Uh, what, are you, what are you thinking? Is you you want to see uh, Jorge Miles versus Chael Sonnen? I'd be down. I would also be down. Fuck it. Who cares? Light heavyweight. Let's do it. I'm, why, don't, why don't they just throw him on this weekend's card at this point, you know? They could do it in the Jorge's bare knuckle promotion, too. Never know. Exactly. Why not? I mean, I mean, I, I don't know why, why Chael Sonnen and Jorge Masvidal are, are honestly beefing. You know what I mean? Like, they got they got more in common than they don't. You know, they both got the plea deal earlier this year, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, they're both, they're both vibing, man, you know? <laughs> Five on one. What, what, what was he say? Five on one, four on one. They're all gonna need nine one one or whatever the fuck the saying is. The, the exact quote is one on one, two on one, or five on one. They're all gonna need nine one one. <laughs> so, um, and that proved to be accurate. So, you know, is that crazy? Yeah, man, pretty fucking crazy. Um. Yeah, we'll see what happens with this story. I got a feeling this one's not done. If if Jorge Masvidal's recent track record with talking shit to people is is anything to uh you know go by, we should be seeing an arrest in about three weeks from now. But anyways, uh, any closing thoughts on that or anything else you want to talk about, Angel? No, none specifically. I think we covered everything very well. I'm excited to come back next week, recap the pay review, and close out this amazing year. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Um. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I'm at Josh Dominoff on Twitter, at AngelOrtego underscore 01, and then also at Courtside Sound for all things relating to the show. Looking to hit 1,300 subscribers by the end of the year, guys. Um, hope you guys help us get there, and hope you guys just enjoy the content in general. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.